This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris Welcome back to the podcast. I've got a couple things to talk about today. As usual, I want to focus a little bit on the economy, the dollar, where money's going or not going. See if we get to the bottom of that. There's a couple other things I wanted to discuss. You could tell I'm a little excited, and I'm a little excited for good reason. Number one, and I'm telling you, when you hear me talking about goals and achievement, I'm telling you, activity breeds activity. My father used to always say that we're building houses. Trying to sell how to develop communities. We're trying to sell how. My father, you got to get something going, man. Activity breeds activity. It was really, really true. And that's why I say to you, at the end of the year, when I started putting things together, I started putting things in motion. And guess what? Things go in motion. And guess what? Some of it starts to bounce back. And boom, here we are, January 4th. It's Thursday here. My birthday, by the way. And I got the greatest gift of all. I get a text, I don't know, the greatest gift of all, but it's a fantastic gift. What's the gift? Maybe you heard me tell the story. Um, I've told it a few times on the podcast. My love for oration, talk radio, now called podcasting, was developed at a very young age, about 10 years old, actually. A lot of other kids are out, you know, playing with G.I. Joes and whatnot, and I would go to bed listening to talk radio. Those guys that spoke then with such authority and conviction and it, it just it resonated. I don't know. They really understood what they were always saying. We listened to all different stuff, real estate, politics, Dr. Jim Corey talking about health and things, a lot of the same things that I come back to you with. And uh, that passion that I developed all came about from a station in Philadelphia, WWDB. Uh, at that time, I want to say, I forget what, what the um, dial number, 96.5, WWDB, Philadelphia. And Irv Homer, man, the name is just um, so, so. And you've heard me talk about this because when I go fill in for my buddy Stan, Stan has a radio show on WWDB, and he's generous enough to um, let me fill in for him occasionally, which I love, and it's a big opportunity for me to be on that radio station. Anyway, today, my birthday, I get a text. I get a text from Don, who also has a radio station down there. Radio show. And he says, uh, Chris, we got the Monday evening slot for you. It's yours if you want it. I cannot tell you. Now, I told him that I'm going to give him a firm answer tomorrow. I think I already know what I'm going to say. I think I already know what I'm going to say. Guys, this would be a real game changer in a lot of ways, especially with the new book coming out, the momentum that we have on the podcast. Uh, the ability to get out in a major market uh, such as Philadelphia. I got a couple of ideas on what we can do to really up the game, really up the game. Amazing, right? What would I say? It's been like five, six years now working on this, and you you wait for a little break to come along. By the way, I don't know how to categorize this. Uh, I mean, I don't expect it to fundamentally change my life in and of itself. But it's another step, you know what I'm saying? Another step. And I just played my game, man. You know how I dumped this. There's no, there's no uh, fluff. I don't have a PR person. This all came from 
magnetic attraction or whatever you want to call it. I just kept sticking to my game. And you, you saw me slip and slide, my ups and downs. It's there, I know. But I just kept coming back day after day. And uh, anyway, like I said, I don't want to overplay it. We'll see how it comes together. It's still in the early stages to even really be celebrating this. But uh, especially the timing with the new book that I've written. This book, um, man, I can't wait to get it out to you. Uh, I needed to begin, I guess, practicing or getting my head on straight in terms of um, what I want to say about the book, how I want to sell it, if you will. But the message of this book, it's, um, it's one of, of uh, triumph, um, victory over incredible odds, really. Not incredible odds, but difficult circumstances. And how tenacity can bring you out of the most difficult situation. It's about the Battle of Kafji. It's about my Marine unit, Alpha Battery, and the fighting that we did there. The lies that were told from the media machine and the military-industrial complex. I go into all of it. PTSD, got a chapter on that. Colin Powell, weapons of mass destruction. I was there, chapter on that. Who won the war? How was it won? It's all discussed in there. How was it done? It's amazing to me looking back, and one of the reasons I'm so excited, that the message of what happened on that battlefield during those couple of days there it was lied about, and it was lied about to conceal what the Marines had actually done there. For 30 years, this has been virtually concealed. Not completely, if you want to really dig around. But I don't know that there's really been a concise message like this coming out of it about what really happened. Because the Internet version that the uh, Iraqis invaded Kafchi and American air power and Arab forces reclaimed the city is a lie. It's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. Of course, there's a little bit of truth. There was air power, and there was Arab forces. But they missed the whole part. I got a chapter on this, too, where the Arab forces that we were there to support ran and, and left us there. And just imagine this a second. You know, we're a small Marine unit there supporting these coalition forces. Three Iraqi divisions come down, and they flee and leave. And we don't because we're Marines. We don't run. Not in that direction, anyway. It would have been the smart thing to do, I guess. We didn't. There was Marines trapped in that city. There was only one way out. The call for fire didn't come to air power. Why was that? It's in the book. Going to have to read it to find out. At the end of the day, if the artillery hadn't been there, there would have been dead Marines. Pretty simple. That didn't happen. Why? Because we didn't run. We fought back. We stayed in the face of overwhelming odds put ourselves in a difficult situation. Why? Because we had principles, because we believed in, in our mission. We had confidence in ourselves. We didn't back down from nothing, from nothing. Anyway, I'm excited about the book. I look to the grace of God and I say, you know, there may be a little something to this in terms of uh, the timing. And um, I'm very, very pleased. The radio station, the book, um, I'll tell you a weird little sign, by the way. And you can, you can see, I'm not, I'm not like into signs and symbolism. I'm really not, actually. I'm not into astrology, any of that. I believe it's, um, it goes against my religious beliefs, really. However, I do believe that God speaks to us in strange ways. And as I've been struggling with certain things at the end of the year and getting angry and frustrated and things like that, like a lot of people, I kept, every time I look at my phone, it would be 555. And uh, I don't know the symbolism is, I think it's like good fortune or something like that. 
be 5.55 a.m., 5.55 p.m. I mean, I look at the clock an awful lot, and it's 5.55. And it's supposed to be this, you know, symbol of good for you. And I would look at it. Finally, after a while, I kept saying, I say, you know, Lord, if you're speaking to me, I'm going to be patient. And uh, let's hope all that comes together. We will see. I think it's going to be an incredible journey. I'll keep you posted. And if that radio show is going to come to fruition, um, I'm hoping it will be available digitally, too. And I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, We'll get some people from the audience, hopefully, to check it out and, and give a little support in that way. It would mean a lot. Anyway, yesterday I gave a very pointed podcast that was surprised at the outcome. Thanks again for all the emails. Uh, Jenny, Dan, um, Steve. Who else do, did we hear from? Chad, thank you. May, thank you. Great to hear from you guys. Bill, um, who else do we have in here? Sandy, thank you guys. I don't have the whole inbox open, but... It was good hearing from some of you guys I hadn't heard from in a little while. And I always appreciate all the emails. I really do appreciate that support. And uh, I was a little taken aback, really, at the number of emails that came in. So um, it, it means a lot. It keeps me pumped up, and I appreciate that. And uh, I hope we can take it to the next level. So yesterday I gave this, this podcast and talking about fighting back. I'm thinking today, you know, with this Epstein list, you know, have you heard the term kill list? I'll tell you what, those 150 names, if my child was on, was one of them that had ended up down there, I do believe the outcome of this scenario would be quite a bit different. Which brings me back to the question, where are the parents of these young women? I'm going to tell you, if I come to find out that my daughter took a modeling or masseuse job at some island and was taken uh, advantage of the way it's accused it was taken advantage of there, the island would be off the map. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not playing around. And, you know, maybe we need to start talking about revenge, to start creating a little um, energy. I don't even know what it's going to take to wake people up. I really don't. I'm not an advocate for violence, but I'm also not an advocate for acquiescing. And I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm not going to be taken advantage of. I'm not going to have my freedom stolen. Now, I want to read something to you that um, I got from our buddy Dan, who just, Dan's uh, from outside of Chicago and uh, shares a lot of really great information that I appreciate, a lot of great writing. I want to read to you what he wrote. I think I shared something he wrote the other day. I want to follow up with this that he sent, I think in response to what I was saying yesterday, or, or, or my email or both. But he said, the fighting back is the reason that the brown shirts and the briefcases exist. If you don't love what the government is doing, they will attack you into silence. Media shadow bans any wrong speak. I know. I'm there. Uh, Everybody knew how bad the Soviet Union was. They just couldn't say it. Everybody is so attached to government, you're almost fighting yourself. I'm going to tell you a story about that. Everything is connected to the government. Birth certificate, banking, property titles, and we report every penny we earn. They're also now in charge of health care. Every hospital in Chicagoland is now Northwest Medicine. No private health care, just one government-run system. Soon to dispense DEI rationing. Obamacare nobody wanted. It's now law. We'll talk about that, too. This is the beginning of the National Lampoon's vacation. Clark goes into an auto dealership to pick up a car he ordered. The car isn't there, but they have a shitbox car there to sell him. He doesn't want it goes to leave, but his car, but his car he had is destroyed. That's what Obamacare has done. Mandatory coverage to wipe out health insurance so we have no alternative. Oh, yes, we do, my friend. Let's pull this apart. This is a great email 
with a lot of great points. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about this. Fighting back is the reason the brown shirts with the briefcases existed. Okay. Um, this is the fear. I was just having a conversation with a buddy of mine, um, and I said, you know, uh, you're talking about uh, some labor contract um, issues, employee, uh, employer type stuff. And um, he's kind of pointed out this uh, company that's um, broken the law, really, in, in the way they're treating some of the employees. And um, and this guy's, you know, looking to, to pursue that in some fashion. And I said, uh, and part of the problem is uh, there's a union there, and the union has um, – Pushed back, if you will, or you know, not really supported this, uh, this situation because there's a political involvement there with the basically the unions left them high and dry, kind of like we were left hanging high and dry at Kafji. And look, the answer to all that is is number one tenacity, but also being smart. You know, um, I give you an example. I tried to tell you this the other day. People think I'm kidding. I'm not. You know, Yes, Chris, uh, this is the FBI. We'd like to speak to you. And I would say, okay. And I might even just close the door. I don't know. If they don't call and they just show up at the door, I don't know that I would accept that at all. They called me and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you. You know what my response to be? I don't answer questions. Yeah, but we have a few questions. I don't answer questions. Now, there's all kinds of nefarious things that I think, you know, Dan is really wrapping into this. Say, for example, um, you know, start messing with your retirement benefits or your business, things like that. You don't think it happens? What did I say the other day on Monday? I said, hey, don't bother using the, the messaging system on the Internet because there's problems with it. And I was getting very frustrated. Just email me direct because they're shadow banning me anyway. Don't you know I couldn't access the doggone email inbox today? That's never happened before. All just coincidence, they say. Fascinating. They're playing games every which direction. What do you do about it? The answer is if you don't love what the government is doing, they will attack you into silence. Only if you're reliant on the government. And there's the step right there to get off of the government reliance or surrender to the slavery you've committed yourself. I'm going to talk more about those. Media shadow bans any, any wrong speak. Uh, shadow bans. I'm saying he wrote bans, I think, by mistake. B-A-N-D as a B-A-N-A. Bans. Uh, media shadow bans, any any wrong speak. Yeah, it's only going to get worse with AI. What do I do? And I go out on a small local radio station where I know the producer. See what I'm saying? Everybody knew how bad the Soviet Union was. They just couldn't say it or didn't have the courage to do so. Oh, they would attack you. They would destroy you. Not if you destroy them first. Listen to this. He says, everybody's attached to government. You're almost fighting yourself. Oh, boy, I know what you're talking about. Here's a funny story for you, right? property behind me we have a little bit of a problem um we get that straightened out they submit a zoning hearing board application and uh now it's going to go in front of our board here in this town i'm the aggrieved party if you will on this this same board that i blew the whistle on a million dollars missing from the town budget how do you think they're going to respond in terms of treating me favorably when i walk in there and what a problem that is. going to affect my property value or, or uh, you know, ability to enjoy our, our, our property. Now, luckily, you know, me being me, I shortcut the whole thing. I know the property, not well, which kind of led to this disagreement. I had to get the police involved in the town, obviously. But it was immediately worked out. Once I did that, 
he went above and beyond to resolve the situation because he doesn't want the trouble with the brown shirts at the township either. Needless to say, I got everything that I wanted and more. I'm actually going to go down to this meeting in support of the application. But this exact thought, I said, hey, you're going to tag, yeah, I tack the, and I, and I thought about this, by the way. There was another issue here in town that some of my neighbors were asking me to get involved in, which I didn't. I just couldn't at the time. I said, you need a lawyer. You're going to have to sue if you really want to, uh, if you want to really uh, pursue that. And I've thought, I thought about filing a lawsuit myself. But the fact of the matter is, what are you going to do? You sue your own town if you win. What are you winning? Everything's connected to government, birth certificate, banking, property titles. They know every penny we earn. They're now in charge of the health care. All right. You know, birth certificates have been around a long time, property titles. Uh, the banking, let me comment on this a second without going too deep into it. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do in this regard. I am so frustrated with uh, my bank. I've been frustrated. And the invasions of my privacy, and I only see it getting worse. Dan's absolutely right with the banking. They are controlling the money to a large, large degree. And I've tried to tell you this. When the government controls the money or anybody controls the money, what did I tell you my father told me at a young age? The golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Now comes Obama, and he says, he's just like counting, just like voting. <laughs> it's not who votes matters. It's who counts that matters. Well, it turns out the same thing with the money. It turns out it doesn't how much money you have. It depends on how much money you actually have in your hand because if it's in the bank, you're going to have a problem. This idea that if you want to get it out, they get it reported to the government. Anything, a small amounts, too. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're tracking all this. Um, that's a tough one. It really is because if you want to go buy something, you're going to need dollars. I think cash. More people going to cash is, is a big part of my game plan. I'm getting rid of my debit card, by the way. I recommend you do the same. I'm going to go cash. I guess I'll have a credit card to use when I need it, but I'm going to go cash and everything that I can and, and try and get off of that. Now, let's talk about the hospitals and the medicine. Here's my thought on this. Take better care of yourself. Uh, I don't want a doctor. I've told you my feelings on this. I'll take my chances elsewhere. If I really got into it, I mean, if I had a broken arm or something, I'd go to the doctor, the hospital or whatever. But as far as any medical advice, there's no way. There's no way. I would go to, have to go to somebody I trust. And, Dan, to your point, if I if it got that bad, I would even just figure out a doctor that I could talk to that I didn't have to go through the medical network, pay him cash if I had to. I just, I really wouldn't get into a government health care system. This is amazing to me hearing this at the Northwest Medicine. I didn't know it was even a government run. Uh, this is like beginning of a National Lampoon's vacation. Clark goes to the auto dealership and figures out he's been bamboozled, right, is what, what Dan's saying. Yeah, it's exactly what Obama did. Uh, Obamacare created so much complexity that all they did was take control, and then they, they make a fortune off of us fighting with you. How do you understand what's going on with the insurance? Nobody understands any of it. Well, let me get back to the main point. I was talking to my buddy who's dealing with this issue with the labor and the, and this legalities and so forth. And he says, you know, I can't get any help from the union. So, you know, the problem is most people are afraid of the union. They're not going to argue. They're not going to fight with the unions. Very few people will. Very few people, you know, argue with the police. Why? Why? When I called the police out here, the first thing said, there's nothing I can do. And I said, well, I think you're going to have to reexamine that because I'm not going to put up with this. I pay taxes here. And you know, if I got to keep calling you back every hour, that's what's going to happen. I had the ordinance there. I'm like, they're in violation of this ordinance. 
And I said, I'm not, I'm not going to have this going on. I tried to reach out to the product. I pushed back on the guy. I wasn't rude. I certainly didn't, you know, yell or whatever. But I didn't accept that. You know, I, I use this with the insurance. I just see so many people in this country constantly rolling over like sheep. So I'm not advocating for a civil war, but for the love of God, stand up and defend yourself. I remember seeing this video stuck in my head. Do you remember? There's a young black woman. They, she went on vacation with, with some of her friends, and they ended up beating the hell out of her in the hotel room and killed her. Do you remember? It was so so heart-wrenching to me. I, you know, and who knows what this lady was like. She could have been a, you know, a bee on wheels. and you know, Sure, she deserved I don't know if anybody deserves that. But I, I didn't get that feeling, really. I think it was maybe a lover's quarrel or something, a jealousy thing. Anyway, they just, she never even got a hit in. The girl, other girl just starts beating on her on her head. And the guy taking the video, he says, uh, what's the matter? You can't defend yourself? And the girl getting beat says no. And they keep beating on her. And, I mean, you know, this is a big part of being a Marine, you know, defending people that can't defend themselves. Sickening to me that this guy sat there and filmed it and watched it. I don't know if I could live with myself if, if that came to be like that, honest to goodness. But there was a part that stuck in my head. What's the matter? You can't fight back? Mom, no. And I thought, Lord God, don't ever let that be me. Don't ever let that be me. I told you I finished this uh, novel by Jack Carr. And there's a scene where this uh, admiral betrays him and he looks in his eyes. And he, he describes it a lot better, but the, the look in the admiral, the admiral knew when he looked in his eyes that he was going to kill him. I know that look. We need to get that look back. You know, it's like I say with the pit bulls. The pit bull knows, needs to know that you'll kill it. I have a pit bull. I love her to death. She's the friendliest thing on the planet. She's sitting on my 75-pound pit bull. She'd lay on your lap. It's the most amazing thing. That dog bit my daughter would be dead before it released its grip. And she knows that. She absolutely knows that. So is the shepherd. I love you. But if you cross this line, the penalty is death. And that's just the way it goes. Not everybody agrees with me, but guess what? I don't have a problem with my dogs. You know, I, I don't know. I, I actually uh, I gave them um, hamburger in with their food, right? They love that, right? A little bit of hamburger mixed in. I took it away to see how they would react. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Just isn't. I think it's the same with the government. The government needs to know that we'll take it down. We have every right to do this. And I have every right to say it. Now, if you go reading the laws, you better be careful about things like rebellion and armed surrection. Oh, yeah. If you form a rebellion in this country, there are laws to stop it. I didn't say rebellion. I said taking back our country. And in our republic, we have every right, every obligation to do so. Now, if the FBI wants to come talk to anybody, you know what I'm going to say? I don't answer questions. You go listen to the podcast over and done if you want. Every right to sit here and speak as freely as I want. And I'm not going to stop. Well, it's not to say that someday they might not come after me and, you know, destroy my reputation and this and that. And you know what? I, I look to God for my validation and that's it. I honest to goodness, I was thinking about this last night after my workout. You know, I'm at a point in my life where life is good and I don't want to give it up. Really? I like living the good life. Who doesn't? I said to myself, I, I don't ever want to be soft. I don't ever want to be that I can't defend myself. I'm never going to be where i got to depend on on Northwest medicine. I'm sorry. 
I'd rather die with the sun on my face on the side of a mountain somewhere and, and, and then step into that cesspool and have those people prodding me. Now, here's the one that I laugh at. I know nobody's going to agree with me. Here you go, medical disinformation coming. Do go make sure you get your colonoscopy, guys. I laugh. I say, how, I saw a guy do it. There. I say, how often are you doing that? He says, oh, yeah, every other year. I said, that's, that's a little strange to me, man. It really is that you seem perfectly healthy, but yet somehow our medical system has convinced you that you need to empty your bowels the night before completely, so that they can take a long hose with a camera on it and insert it in your rectum, and they're going to call that protecting your health. I'll handle it on my own, thanks. We don't know what it's like to get colon cancer. So let me get this straight. How many people, what's the, the problem, you know, the, the, and why don't we ask why so many people are getting colon cancer? Maybe it's because of all the crap and the food that we're eating. But outside of that, you know, no, nobody wants to actually solve that. Like, no, tube up the pooper. <laughs> I just laugh. There you go. There's, there's your answer to fighting back. It has nothing to do with the brown shirts and the government has this, Great Clint Dan. That's not what it is. I'm sorry. It's that you've grown men in this country that they say, hey, bend over. We're going to stick this up your butt. And they're like, okay, when do I need to come back? Says it all. Some of you listening are going, oh, my God. Now, you know, your wives, you get to hey, Chris said not to do this. <laughs> yeah, see what she says. Poop in the box to go test it if you're concerned about it. Don't take medical advice from me. I don't give medical advice. All I'm telling you is for thousands of years, men have walked this planet. Some incredibly great men, as a matter of fact, have done, made incredible accomplishments and never stuck anything up their rectum, okay? so And not for their health or not for otherwise. I'm going to stick with that route. It's just the way I'm going to go. I, it's, you know, it's not a, um, you know, a homo, uh, what's the word for, I forget now if you don't like homosexuals. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with sexuality. I just don't like things inserted in my rectum. I find it a little strange that people are okay with emptying their blood, getting knocked out to be unconscious while this happens. What, do you get a twilight? I don't know. I never did it. You're going to lay there knocked out, and this team of medical professionals is going to insert this thing up in, inside your rectum. And then they're like, hey, oh, everything looks good. <laughs> okay, thanks. When do I need to come back? <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Nobody's even asking any questions. Why do I need to do this? Well, because it's, good. it's it's for your safety. You don't want to get colon cancer. I mean, look, if they could convince grown men to bend over and accept that, what wouldn't they accept? I mean, what, what are we even talking about? I'm sitting here talking about fighting back. <laughs> Stand up straight. I mean, it, it's laughable when you think about it. And if this isn't enough, the guy I was talking to was a Marine officer, veteran, by the way. Doing the doing the doing the tube. <laughs> I don't understand it. People don't know how to think for themselves. They just accept what they're told and they follow along with everybody else. I probably told you this before. I'm going to say it again. Here's how much people are follow the leader. Occasionally, when I'm coming back to my house, I come the one side of town I come in from. Uh, it's 45 mile an hour double yellow line road, and I make a kind of like a little shortcut through this little um, little, little town, little uh, development, and. Uh, so what I do is since traffic's moving fast, it's just coming off the intersection, the red lights, everybody's kind of revved up, if you will. And then I'm going to go break right after that because I'm uh, I try to uh, be considerate of other people, even though nobody else does. I pull all the way over into the, into the shoulder on the right, which is actually a bike lane. Of course, I make sure it's clear. And I do that so I can make my right turn. Everybody just keep flying by. 
I can tell you that more often than not when I do that, they go to follow me. Like every time. And I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? The other day I'm on the road. I see a truck stopped kind of blocking half the lane with another car behind it. They were waiting for this thing to move. The guy wasn't going anywhere. It was this van. This guy's doing his thing. I'm like, go around. They won't go around it. I've told you this many times. I, I watch this on the road. I see there's a great uh, you know, illustration of what's going on with lots of things. You can't even. <gasps> Can I cross the yellow line? Oh, man. How mentally ill has this country become? That they're going to sit there and convince you and you say, you know what, it's time for a change of government. You insurrectionist, you can call me whatever you want. Racist, insurrectionist, anti-Semitic, I'm none of those things. And I can prove it over and over again. And people say, oh, you know, you're going to be afraid to push back against the police. I know the chief of police down here. You know, I've had it, you know, some interesting, and I'm not, listen, I'm not telling you go start trouble with the police. 555 on my... I'm looking at it right now. I just caught my eye. I'm not saying to go start with trouble with the police. I support the police. I absolutely support the police. A good relationship with the, the chief down here, some of the other officers. And you know, I reach out to him. I told him, thank you for his officer. Ultimately, I took a little, uh, what do you say, you know, uh, motivation to get him to act in, in what I was hoping to get done. But at the end of the day, he did a great job. So what do I do? And this is kind of how you have to handle things. I go say to the chief, hey, officer so-and-so was out. And I got to tell you, I really appreciate it. He patiently listened to me. And he went over and he talked to them. And the problem was resolved immediately. Thank you so much. I didn't say a bad word about the guy, the officer. Not a bad word for a lot of different reasons. I don't want a war with the police. Why the hell would you? I want to support the police. I want them to support me, which is how it should be. But it doesn't mean that occasionally there aren't differences. And if I go in there, I'm like, I don't agree with what you're saying. They're like, you shut your mouth. We're going to have a problem. No, I'm not going to just shut up. I'm not going to just bend over. I'm not going to just obey. And I have every right not to. And, I, you know, there's not enough people that have enough clout in their community. I'm not sitting here like I've got, you know, Mr. Influence down here because I'm not. But I know business owners. I know lawyers. I know everybody on this board. I know the chief of police. I know the town manager. Now, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, many of them don't like me. I just told you I'm going to go down into that board meeting. And I'm going to be arch enemy number one. That's all right. That's all right. I'm going to go stand there and, and look those people in the eye. It's my town, too. And you may not like me, but I've done nothing wrong, and I have every right to be here, too. You know, it's like the football coaches tell the football team. You know, back in the day, I loved football, guys. It's a shame what's happened with that. I never played. I played flag, adult flag, live on the line. Pretty fun stuff. The good old days, man. I made some good friends doing that. Pretty physical down there, too. But I never played uh, football, you know, pads and things like that. Uh, my son played a couple of years. He played a couple of years of flag. But then he also started a, uh, a flag football league. It was an upward sports league, if you've ever heard of that. And I brought it to our church. It's a phenomenal story. I went down, uh, I think it was down to South Carolina, to see this guy who had started upward. He came as a Baptist minister, a guy named Kaz McCaslin. I don't know if he's still doing it. I've been out of it for a while. But man, he just spoke to me. I was like, we, we need to do this. We're going to use sports as a vehicle to bring the gospel to children. Man, isn't that amazing? Positive, uplifting messages. That you know, We had these cards and training that we did for the coaches. Anyway, I was the league director. And the purpose was really to teach life lessons around football. And, and that's where I was going with this. And one of the things a football coach will do, because kids are intimidated. 
you, know, you go out on the football field, and, you know, if you're smaller than the next guy and you're going to look up at me, oh, this guy's going to kill me. And, you know, I'm going to make it sound like I am, of course. I want to intimidate you. And that intimidation works. Nothing's really happened at all. But if you want to know truth be told as a big guy, even if a little guy starts going, oh, I don't want any trouble either. I don't know what this little guy's capable of. I'm as timid and intimidated as anybody. Not really, but I don't generally get intimidated like that. But you understand what I'm saying? People get intimidated. So the coaches will say to you, hey, it's, it's your field. It's my house. Or you have every, it's every inch you go, you have every right to take that next yard line as they do. It's going to be up to who wants it more. And that's where we're at. Who wants the country more? The brown shirts? The dirty Democrats? With their dirty Islamists out of the Obama faction? The Obama faction just died with this uh, Gaza crap. Thank goodness. I don't see we'll see a resurrection of that. I'll talk a little bit about that at some point. But anyway, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't, people that can stand up for themselves, for God's sake. You know, there's a knock on the door. Oh, oh, oh. It's freaking out about nothing. I can't believe how many people, if, if, if I was, if an po- officer stopped me and I felt for any reason that I was the accused. I mean, if I call the police out here, I'm, I'm not playing games with them. I give him my name, I give him my address, I give him my, my driver's license so he knows who I am. I go through everything with him, like I said. I'm going to cooperate with him because I'm the one that called him out here. But if I was walking down the street, um, not here, I mean, if I was walking down the street in my town and the officer grabbed me, I'm like, hey, I'm Chris, I live up over here. What's going on? Um, if they started getting accusatory or something, I'd go into my, hey, buddy, huh? I didn't commit any crimes, and I'm not answering any questions. You have every right to do that. If you feel differently, you can feel free to press charges, whatever you got to do. We're going to district attorney right now. But I'm just telling you, I don't have anything to say to you, and I didn't commit any crimes. Boom, done. And it's going to end right there. I've seen so many people get jammed up with their own words. Hey, where are you coming from? It's none of anybody's business where I'm coming from. I don't need to reveal that information. Absolutely not. I don't know. Are people going to grow up, stand up, grow a backbone? I really don't know what to say. Do I expect it to happen, Dan? Nope. I really don't. Because it seems that, you know, people can't even lick the correct side of the doggone postage stamp around here. Who wants it more? Who's willing to pay more, it seems to be? You know, they're funneling cash into all this stuff. Who wants, who's willing, what's the highest price? That's where we're at in this country. Who wants it more? Doesn't seem to be uh, the American people very much. Maybe that'll change. As long as everybody's fat and happy and well-fed, everything's good. Wait till they have uh, the only place to buy groceries in Chicago is the government-run food store. I'll bet you the fat little bastards will feel differently then, won't they? You take away their ho-hos. Oh, take away their pop and see what happens. Nobody cares about a stolen election. There you have it. That's where, That's the State of the Union right there. That pop and cigarettes are more important than a properly functioning republic that respects the rights of its citizens. Unbelievable, isn't it? Let's talk a little bit about the economy. Do we want to do that? Um, I got a lot to go into here. I think I might give you this Friday. We're relaxing. We're going to skip the economic update. I'll give you the, the, the quick, uh, quick rundown on this. Um, chaotic and I wouldn't um, I wouldn't 
I, I, I don't subscribe to this. We're headed for this doomsday financial scenario. I said this to you before. My own belief is that it's just going to be more popping ups of Northwest medicine that you have government. I think they were talking about it in Philadelphia with the grocery stores. Or was it Chicago? I forget. I think it was Chicago. If all the companies are going to move out, then the government's going to have to move in. And just think, I don't keep dwelling on this, but think about what's happening in Chicago. First, what did they do? They flooded it with the, the Muslims in Michigan, Minneapolis, right? Obama did that. And that's how you have Omar and some of these other creeps that are destroying our country. So they flood it with illegals. Um, I forget all who was coming in there. Give them money, get them set up. And lo and behold, uh, you know, they're running for town council. You've got towns now where it's like Muslim controlled. Interestingly enough, it's really not even that much different than what you see in the non-Muslim controlled. In some cases, they're making better decisions than the the non-Muslims. And I don't have an issue necessarily with somebody of Muslim faith running for office. I guess it should be allowed. I have some mixed feelings on that, but I don't want to get into that right now. As it is, I'm I'm okay with that. But when you artificially flood an area with immigrants and then you have this disruption of what was really the natural um, population, and then they, they want to begin changing things, of course. They're going to want more and more control. Why wouldn't they? Next is going to be a governor. Next is going to be the you know Muslim state, whatever the case might be, taking over really. Pretty soon, you know. So they 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 do all that. They move this and they change the demographics in the suburbs. Really, I don't know what happened in the city. I don't even. Know. I would imagine it's mostly Muslim blacks there. The way they're acting, very violent. There's a, a big misconception. People group blacks together. You get down to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and you'll find black Christians who are some of the finest people you ever meet on the planet. I have black Christian friends here in our town, some of the finest people on the planet. Matter of fact, just to prove a point, and my wife will tell you, I have better relationships with black people here, black Christians, than I do with the white people here. That's the truth. Um, but this doesn't really matter. But I think that if I had to guess, just like North Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, West Philly, Mostly black Muslim, and you're talking about something completely different, very violent. And so, if you envision this now in Chicago, they go in, they change the demographic, and now because of the crime, the healthcare, and nobody's paying, so the, the healthcare business, the private healthcare moves out because we can't make any money with these these violent Muslim blacks destroying everything. We can make any money in that environment. So what do they do? They leave. Like we can't make any money. We're not going to be here. Well, then, you know, Pritzker or whatever his name is, his, you know, his brother, his dad or whatever, um, was on Epstein's list. I think it was his brother. I forget. It was his brother, his father, something like that. The governor of Illinois, I'm talking, you know, Chicago, Illinois. Weird ties there. And then he's a homosexual. What kind of creepy stuff was going on in that family, I wonder? What's really going on? It changed the demographic. The crime picks up. The, the food stores leave. Governor freaks out. We're going to have to go privatize now, or public rather. Government's going to have to provide it. Okay, so now you've got this this socialism that's come about. This government control, communist. I don't know what you even call it. All government controlled in what's supposed to be a republic in a capitalist society. Now you go out into the suburbs. I'm pretty sure they have health care out there. Dan, maybe you can confirm. But uh. Down in the city, they're going to be locked in down there. Now, how long does it happen before, you know, Chicago turns into Gaza? 
Interesting, right? Or does it spread to the whole country? There you go. There's your sales pitch for liberal progressivism. Chicago. Is that what you want to turn the country into? People better start waking up, standing up, and demanding what's right. I don't think you're going to see it for totally different reasons than the, than fear of the government. I don't even think this government really has that much to offer in terms of I'm not intimidated at all. I'm not saying they can't cause problems for certain people. I say, God bless you. That's all I say. I'm not going to fall victim to those things. I don't know what it's going to take to cause a change in that. Uh, I was thinking about today, maybe um, a preacher who could who could speak to people that they could regain their, their self-confidence and belief in God or divine rights, but it doesn't seem to be coming quickly. Let me um, give you a couple other little headlines here I wanted to mention. Speaking of security and uh, problems, um, roaming dog packs in California um, been killing livestock, but then they have a case where a human got killed by it too. And have you ever seen, uh, I guess you call them feral dogs. We just call them wild dogs when I was a kid. I got to tell you, uh, being in the woods as, as a kid, like constantly, and I've been out um, where we've come across bear, and it didn't really bother me. Um, and, I'm, and I've had a buck charge at me, a deer. Um, but the thing that I was always most concerned about was coming up on a pack of wild dogs, man. Um, and because when it's just, it's just like the Marines, the Teufelhund and the Hellhounds. And you get a Marine alone, and he's kind of vulnerable like anybody. But you put a group of Marines together as a fire team, and all of a sudden it turns into something else. There's something about those pack animals that they become exponentially more effective, more powerful. However, would, would you know how to defend against this? How many people could defend against a pack of dogs? So, first thing is, why do you think shepherds carry a stick? A stick is useful for many things. It's not for them to lean on, I can tell you that. The primary purpose of the stick is that animals are generally very intimidated. I've seen snakes beaten off of animals. Not firsthand, I've seen videos of this. Um, what else? Um, um, bears beat away with a stick. Animal doesn't know how to react to it. They perceive it much differently, especially dogs. I guarantee you, if you had, a, if you think about a shepherd with a staff, it's long. It's not just like a cane. It's not shoulder height. You always say a big, long stick, right? Because you're going to create some distance between him and those wolves. You could kick. The problem with kicking, if you're one dog, you could kick as a defensive mechanism. The first thing I'm going to tell you, though. <laughs> First thing I'm going to do, don't make the mistake of getting scared. Don't make the mistake of turning and running. They'll hunt you down and eat you. That's a fact. Far better off fighting back, or at the very least, putting yourself in the fetal position. But I don't know that that would work well with dogs. They'd probably keep biting at you and uh, really do a lot of damage. I would fight back like the third monkey on the ramp to the Noah's Ark, baby. You better If you come across a pack of dogs, you better get a stick and start whacking I mean swinging. Swinging like your life depended on it because it might. So here's another example. I say, how are people getting killed by packs? And they probably didn't even fight back. Oh, look at the nice puppies. Oh, oh, and they're surprised when they got their face chewed off. Stupid, stupid, stupid. They're still dangerous, I'll tell you that. I shouldn't say that. I don't like the victim shame, you know that. 
Governor's lieutenant governor will be investigated in Trump's case. Does anybody care? Um, oh, this was, uh, I wanted to point out. Did you hear about the shooting at the Iowa high school? First, the, the AP releases this. Police say there has been a shooting at a high school in Perry, Iowa. A woman who answered the Perry Police Department phone confirmed there was a shooting at the, at the high school. Okay, school shooting. They don't tell you anything else. Then ABC comes out later in the day, at least one dead in shooting at Iowa High School. And I think it came out then that it was a, uh, um, a suicide situation of a, of a gay or transgender kid. Um, that information's coming to light. It doesn't fit the narrative. Anyway, it's election season. So what do they do? Right with the every, I, so I watch. I walk in the room. I was looking through. <gasps> See the shooting? I'm like, it's a suicide. Uh, oh, okay. Everybody's just waiting. And this is, what I think, what um, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank. Hope for survival. Um, um, Jesus. I'm going to have to look at my phone now. He just texted me the other day. I'm embarrassed. You know, I can't keep track of everything, right? Um, I'm going to see his name here, and uh, it's going to come back to me. And I'm going to be Butch Erskine. Forgive me, Butch. I just couldn't think of your name for a second. I hope for survival. That's in my head. Um, where was I going with all that? I completely forgot. I got uh, I got distracted there. Couldn't remember his name. Anyway, um, very misleading about the shooting. And uh, oh, that's why I say Butch says uh, people in this country become addicted to fear porn. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Speaking of which, are you on Twitter? I told you I've been checking out Twitter. I was thinking about becoming a Blue Check certified. I probably will now if I do the radio station. Blah blah blah. blah. We'll see. But anyway, I got up early. I've been getting up about four thirty. A little time in the morning. I finished my novel. So this morning I went out and a little cup of coffee. Oh, let me check out Twitter. And within ten minutes, I stopped. I felt myself getting anxious and angry. And I said, "Is this really healthy?" I just want you know this person killed and hatred and revenge and retribution and it's it's a sickness. Stinking uh, social media. I don't know. Let me uh, leave you with this little story since I've been yammering on. No, no, I'm going to come to the uh, doomsday in Iran at the end, okay? Uh, Mortgage rates are low. That's good. I was going to talk about the economy. We'll do it next week. It's boring anyway. Uh, Mortgage rates are down about six-something percent. And is it an opportunity to buy? I don't think so. Supply. Here's a great example for you, uh, Dan. Here's a great example for I was thinking about this. If I was a young person today in this market, you know what I would do? I'll tell you what I would do. I'd, I'd push out as far as I could would reasonably drive from my place of employment. And this is what I did when I was younger. I remember driving an hour. I don't drive anywhere now. I'm a little older. I made my money. I'd put my time in, kind of, you know. I still got to work and produce money. But I don't have to work like I did. I don't have to take a job an hour away to support myself. God willing, I'll never have to see that happen again. But when I was younger, this is the situation. When you're younger trying to get ahead, you got to get your feet, you know, uh, get going a little bit. And you do that by buying your first piece of property. I did it when I was 23 years old, that first house. You heard me tell the story. I saved up $10,000. I was making like $8 an hour. I saved up $10,000 in a year. I drove an Aries K car. I didn't spend a nickel. I didn't go in. People what are you going to do? I was driven. I see there wasn't enough for the the 115 the, the, the proper 20% down payment on the $115,000 townhouse I bought at that time. But fortunately, with the VA loan, you could put less down, and they would let you do that, and I did it. And um, the, the uh, equity that I built up in that home 
helped fund the business and more opportunities down the road. And it was that early foundation, that early momentum, that early activity that bred to more activity. And now here I am 30-some years later, and I'm enjoying the the fruits of some of that. Like I said, I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm independently wealthy or something like that. I'm not... uh, I'm not one of these big names. You know, I've got millions and millions of dollars. It's not the case. Um, but I've been able to start from nothing and create a decent lifestyle for my family. And I'm appreciative. It all started with that first house, really. So back to my point, just like with the health care. Screw you. I'm not taking your government health care. Get, get, count me out. You see, when you, when, you, when you take everything off the table, you take away the power of your enemy. Take all the money. I, I just thought about this the other day. Take all the money. I don't care. I was getting kind of edgy this whole banking thing. I don't want to get too more into it. It just gets me upset. It really does. I don't like being ripped off, do you? And um, I started thinking, I said, take all the money. I don't care. Take it all. Take all of it. I'll just pick. I'll walk out of here and start my life over. I've done it before. I'll do it again if I have to. I don't want to. I'm not going to just acquiesce like I told you. But I'm also not going to acquiesce into government health care and having my rights taken away. Anyway, back to the housing a second. If I was in a market like today, you know what I would do? You want to know what I would do? I would go as far as I could reasonably drive and I would get a piece of ground. And then I'd put a tent in the back of it or a trailer maybe would be a better option. And I'd build it myself. I'd build the whole damn thing myself. I'd dig the hole with a shovel. I'd build the, the form. I'd either lay the block for the foundation or I'd pour, build my own wall panels out of, out of plywood. Probably use block in that case if I had to. I'd lay the, I'm not a block layer, but I could do it. I could strike them up good enough. I could keep those walls square. I could parge it. Believe me, I could. I could get back into it. Probably go with a crawl space in that scenario, but you know what I'm saying. And then I'd lay the, I'd lay the floor joists. I still remember how to frame. I could still swing a hammer. I might not get as much done in the day. I'd lay that tongue and groove plywood sheathing down on there, lay the glue down on the joist, bang it together, get it together. I grew up platform framing, and I'd just start in the first corner and work my way out. I'd do all the layout, build the first wall panel, lay it up, make sure it wasn't too long, even if I had to do it myself. If I could get some help, if I could afford it, I would. I'd keep my living expenses non-existent by living in the trailer. And if it took me a year or so, that's what it would take. Now, if you think that that's a crazy story, I can tell you somebody who did something very similar. It's an Austrian immigrant family. Came here, I don't know, early 1900s. My great-grandfather was Mennonite, something I didn't know until recently. My grandparents on my father's side needed a house. They lived with my great-grandparents for a while, and they built the house down on the other side of the farm. Swung the hammer, pounded the nails, and built the gosh-dang house. It's not that hard. You can grow your own food. You can take care of yourself. You can build your own house. And it's a lot better environment than being a prisoner. It might not be as nice and cushy as living in suburbia with air conditioning and all the commodity conveniences, but it's not how we were meant to live, and we shouldn't be afraid to go back to the way that we were meant to live. I'm not. I don't know. Be careful if you buy a house. Let me mention this. Uh, Vatican moves to calm bishops over same-sex blessing approval. Yeah. I'll tell you what this PR move is. The Vatican's not moving to do anything. We're going to soften this up a little bit. Yeah, their donations probably just went down the tubes. I can't believe that the older Catholics are going along with all this. Why is this happening in the Catholic Church? What do you think? 
because there's a business side of the church too. And right now you've got a situation where half the people in this country are either gay or supportive of, of homosexuality and, and, and unrestricted. That's a whole other conversation. And the church, if they don't come out and be welcoming and accepting, then they're going to lose half their parishioners. They can't afford to lose. It's already been down, down, down. Money just slows down. Uh, I see this as a damage control that's not going to work. Uh, I want to mention this story real quick. This is from Politico. Uh, liberal Jew mugged by a post-October 7th world. Um, so this uh, rabbi is talking about anti-Semitism in the United States following the Hamas attack. And this liberal Jewish person is just very surprised at how they're being treated. You know what I say to this liberal Jewish person? Boo-hoo. I've said it over and over again. I've watched here. I've been critical of our Jewish board president here. You're damn right I have. He calls himself Jewish, but I've seen it firsthand having the town lawyer send letters to churches because he disagreed. Nothing to do with government. You talk about the brown shirts, purely for intimidation purposes. And I think it, it worked. I drive by the Lutheran church, I see an LBGTQ flag. Cut to your point, Dan, because they're afraid that they don't. Oh, I know a, a guy, he lives in town here, he's a lawyer. He goes to that Lutheran church. I look at the whole thing and I'm just like, dude, God bless you. How you walk into a church with that flag hanging on the front of it makes absolutely no sense. There you go. Talk about acquiescing. Who's going to say, this is not the kind of church that I'm coming to. Don't say that. I just did. Anyway, back to the uh, liberal Jewish person mugged by the post-October uh, 7th world. I, too, was taken aback at the anti-Semitism. Taken aback. But where was the anti-Semitism coming from that you saw? Now, I'm going to tell the truth. I know some non-Jewish people in my life that have said anti-Semitic. Would, I don't know if I would say anti-Semitic. Um, derogatory statements towards Jewish people. Because there's a big difference between derogatory, shaming, and, um, you know, infringing on somebody's rights. All right? If somebody says they don't like Jewish people, I think that's their prerogative. Now, if they say, I'm not going to hire a Jewish person, eh, that's not right. Would you agree? Anyway, back to the point. These liberal Jewish people, like our town president, I'd love to hear from you. Are you nervous about what's going on? We're just outside of Philadelphia. They're in protests. They're just condemning Jewish people in the worst way. What would you say? Oh, anti-Semitism. You fueled it. You fueled it. You demonized the, the whites for being white. You demonized the men for being men. You demonized the Christians for being Christian. All while you professed your Jewish faith, now you wonder why it's backfiring. But let's go back to who's, who's, who it is with the anti-Semitic behavior. Is it white Protestants? No. Is it white Catholics? No. Is it the Asians? No. Is it other Jewish people? No. Is it blacks? A lot of the times. Is it uh, Muslims? Usually. But yet you'll have these liberal Jews who still want to side with them. I shared this with you the other day. Don't leave us out of the LGBTQ. We should be part of it. Meaning that the only people left off the list are the white Protestants. This is crazy to me. Boo-hoo. What did you think was going to happen? 
Let me tell you the crazier thing I think about this, though, that I think everybody's missing in this story. Do you realize that party affiliation has risen above denomination affiliation? Look at what's going on. People are lining up by political affiliation, not by denomination. That, to me, is something very, very evil. Speaking of evil, let me leave you with this. Iran, did you hear what happened? I think I mentioned it yesterday. The uh, terrorist attack uh, during the Soleimani uh, deal or whatever. And I believe I saw that um, Israel uh, has increased some attacks on Iran as well. I said to you, who would do an attack in Iran? They're friendly with Russia, not likely Russian. They're friendly with China, not likely could have been the, I don't know, all the different sects over there, the Sunnis and the whatevers. It could have been one of the other sects. But how many of those, you know, that division over there is stirred up by the CIA? How much of that division over there is stirred up by American money? Who knows? We don't really know. We may never know the truth of it. But it appears to me that the provocation continues to increase. Now you have these attacks in Iran. And then I hear this. Where's the headline here? What would drive Israel and Iran to start launching nuclear weapons? Four distinct scenarios emerge with results that range from very destructive to catastrophic. You don't say. Governments around the world are out of control, hell-bent on our destruction. I'm going to say it's time for the people to take back control. Do we have any good people left to do it? Hard to say, really. We're going to stay positive. There's lots of good things going on this year. I'd love to hear what you had to say about anything I had to say today, whether you agree or not. I'm excited about this opportunity to go on the radio. Man, weekly radio show. Suddenly, I feel, it's, I, you know, I, I, I always wanted to do it. I'll just leave you with this. A little sentimental on my birthday here. Um, it's crazy to me this happened today. It really is. Yeah, I wanted to do it when I went down. The first time I went down there, my buddy Stan invited me down, and I just, I was like a kid. I was so excited. And I went down a few more times, and I talked to Sam, the producer, Jewish guy, by the way, if it matters to you, great guy. And um, Sam, and I, I, I initiated the contact because I, was, I wanted to do a station, a show. And um, I said, you know, he's kind of, kind of, you know, what makes you different? Yeah, we could get you a slot kind of thing. And then we had some discussions about a morning time slot uh, once a week. And I said, hey, it's like a mid-morning thing. And I said, hey, it, it just doesn't work for me. And um, in the process, it's really pain for me to get down to the studio. And, and mid-morning is just not possible for all intents and purposes, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and I said, well, I have a studio here. I, I have no <clears throat> need to, to drive. And it's not far. It's on the edge of Philadelphia, just on the other side of the river. And, um, but the traffic getting down there is a real pain. You're going to get into the building, and there's security. You're going to go up the elevator. And I'm just not that kind of guy. You know, it's a reason why I have a home studio, and I like my home studio, other than the sound from the banging on the <laughs> – sorry about that. I don't know why I keep doing that, but uh, we got to work on the sound a little bit. Um, you know, they would do all that better and be a little more polished, at least theoretically, in the exposure. Anyway, I really wanted to do it, but as I got in, I said, this doesn't work for me. It's expensive to get into it. There's another one. You think, oh, it's great. This is going to take some resources to get going. And uh, uh, and then you got to advertise and find sponsors and all that to kind of carry things, if you will. And um, it, it's like a business then, 
right? It becomes the same. I just decided, you know, I'm not going to do this. Why would I drive down there, you know, put the financial exposure, drive down there, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, it was the time slot that didn't work for me. They come back today, and Don says, listen, I talked to Sam. It's your slot if you want it, Monday night. And uh, I think I need to do it. I really do. I need to put some a little more thought into this and, you know, go back to those conversations with Sam. You know, where do we want to go with it? How are we going to get there? But uh, what a phenomenal opportunity. You know, a little change there has just changed my whole outlook on that. I still could, you know, pre-record and put it out on the on the radio there without having to go down, which I'm, I'm sure I would from time to time. But uh, either way, it's just really cool, especially at the timing with this new book coming out. I'm so excited about all of it. I told you it was going to be a good year. I hope you're at least having some successes. Let me know if you are. We got to look uh, look for good reasons to bring this country around. Good reasons to motivate our children and and tell them that there is there is uh, hope for the future. That there's a lot of great things to come. Let's hope, God willing, we got to have faith that the the good always prevails. You've got to get that into your head. Hey, God willing, I'll be back on Monday. I don't know what the schedule's like for next week. It's hard for me doing this right now every day, believe it or not. And if I'm going to get into the radio show, it's going to be even getting harder. The good news is my discipline and my energy are locked in, baby. We'll keep it rolling. I'll see you back Monday, God willing. Hope to see you there. Make it a great day.